welcome to livealittlehigher.com. This week we learned Parasha Toldot, and this is a parasha in which these two very famous twins are born, Esav and Yaakov. They're born to very holy parents, Isaac and Rivka. And um, Rabbi, uh, the Shem Mishmuel gives us an incredible explanation of their personalities and of what each one of them wanted in life and to understand where they came from. So we know the story that Rivka's pregnant and every time she's walking through the street and she walks next to a house of worship of, 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 of God, a baby is trying to get out of her womb and it's very painful for her. And she feels like there's a whole battle inside of her belly. And then we see that every time she walks close to a, a, an idol worship place, the, the, there's another bottle inside of her womb and she feels like the baby wants to come out and she really doesn't understand what's going on. So she goes to the, to the yeshiva of Shem and Ever and she asks this very wise man, Shem, what's wrong with me? What's going on? You know, in those days they didn't have sonograms so they couldn't just see. So, but Shem was a man of God and he said to her, actually, you're not carrying one baby, you're carrying two. It's two babies inside of your womb and, uh, and uh, each one has different dispositions. And you have to know that when one is uh, strong, the other one's gonna be weak and when the other one's strong, the other one is gonna be weak and they, there's no way that both of them can rule at the same time. So, uh, the Shem Ishmael brings to us this, um, this very interesting explanation of Asaph's relationship with his father and uh, why did he ask the father uh, questions? He, he made the father think that he was a very holy man. He was very deceiving. And he asked, when he sat with his father, he asked him questions of Allah and, and Torah questions and how this should be done. And so one of the questions that he asked the father is what was the, what was the, the, the type for salt and, and, um, and, uh, and straw, straw and, and salt. What is considered uh, the, the tithing, the correct tithing for these two uh, materials? And uh, one would think like, what a weird question, like why wouldn't he ask him things that are more relevant? For example, uh, how do you do shahita on an animal? He was a hunter and he was a hunter and he hunt with his mouth too. He was a, a hunter with his words. He had a lot of, uh, we say in Spanish, labia, like he had a soothsayer, you know, he used to talk and people would like mes be mesmerized by him. And so he was a man that knew how to deceive and he asked his father this question, which actually uh, salt and, 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 um, and straw doesn't need to be tied. Tied is to give the 10% of, of what it is. But the father uh, assumed that this son, Asaph, was a very pious man. And so we see that it says at the beginning of, of, the, of the Torah portion, and Isaac loved Asaph as the hunt was in his mouth, um, and uh, literally, whereas Rivka loved Jacob. And so we see that each parent has a, had a special, a special love for, one, for each child. And um, let's see what this 
really means. So we see that the nature of Asaph, we can appreciate his nature by the questions he made. And, um, and we see that we need to consider the nature of the world and the interplay between the various components. So there is a basic concept, a concept that some things in the world fall into two categories. There's one category that is called in, in Hebrew language, ikar, which means it's the first thing, it's the most important thing, it's, uh, it's primordial, it's the important thing to do. And then there's another category that falls into uh, tafel, which is secondary. It is something that is secondary and is subordinate to the ikar, to the primary uh, situation. So it, it is fundamental in Jewish thought that the physical current world, this world in which we live, which is called the Olam Hazen, is tafel, is secondary. And, uh, and with respect to the world to come, the Olam Abba, which the Olam Abba is the absolute reality, and there's nothing else but Hashem and the Olam Abba, that's the ultimate reality. So this Olam Abba, this world to come, really is the Ikar, the primordial thing. And Hasal, Hasal, their sages teach us that prepare yourself in the corridor of Olam so that you may enter the great hall of Olam So Jewish thought, Jewish uh, philosophy, Jewish way of looking at life, the Torah teaches us, that this world in which we live right now, it's very glamorous, it's very glittery, it's a, a lot of fun, but at the same time, this is not the most important place ever. This is just a corridor. It is a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a place where we come to do things that need to be done in order to achieve the Olam Abba. This is what, what this world really is although it would seem something completely different. So the Jewish thinkers provide other examples of this phenomenon of, um, of tafel and ikar, in which he, you see, for example, a fruit. You're gonna eat the fruit, you're gonna eat a pineapple, right? So the pineapple, what are you thinking about? You're not thinking about the skin of the pineapple. That's not what you're gonna eat. You're gonna eat the flesh of the pineapple. That's what you eat. But the skin is important too, because the skin is the one that protects the flesh. So, but what's really important is the flesh. So this is what, what it's trying to tell us, that sometimes we make this world so important, we, we make it so valuable <laughs> that at the end of the day we forget that this world is a corridor to take us to the next world. And so this concept pervades the whole of Jewish life Spiritual pursuits are the goal of man's existence. That's why we're here. Uh, and it's a paradox that Hashem created a world that is completely material. This is a very material world. There's a lot of materiality. And every time that the world advances, there's even more materiality. Like you go to the stores, you can believe the amount of things they have. I remember when I was younger, like you needed a pair of black shoes and you would go into the store and they had four, 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 four black shoes. You had to choose one from the four. Today, you don't know what to choose. It's so much, so much, so much. Thank God for all that, but it's the world became consumed with the material world. And so we see that it behooves to us to spend our lives involved in the primary aim, 
And if we do, we can also raise and perfect the tafel. So this demands that we retain the correct viewpoint for if we misconstrue the tafel, the secondary um, thing, and we consider it as the primordial thing, we will achieve nothing at all. So that's the, the danger of this world is that we get sidetracked and we believe that the most important thing in life is to accumulate and accumulate and have stuff and have more stuff and get more stuff and now there's this new TV came out so the one I had that I bought five years ago is not good anymore because it doesn't have this this uh, mechanism that is now in fashion and so people become consumed with these things and they forget why they're here. So at a global level, we can raise and ennoble the whole of Olama Azeh through our actions. So Hashem made, a, Hashem made a material world with a purpose because the way to achieve Olama Ba is through the material world. And, and this is a very Hasidic thought that we learn that the Jew is not here to abstain from the material world. We're not like other philosophies in which people stop eating, they dress very simple, they live in a cave, they are ascetic, they don't have anything because they're trying to reach a spiritual nirvana. But the Jewish way of life is completely the opposite. We see that we work hard all week to accumulate what we need to be able to have a beautiful Shabbat or a beautiful Yom Tov. You come to, your, to the Shabbat table of any Jewish home and it's majestically put, put down with the best dishes that a person can own, has the most beautiful tablecloth, has beautiful uh, flowers. Uh, every Jewish mom in the world has a buffet that you you can't imagine the amounts of foods that are cooked and because it is through this that we can reach Hashem when you sit down in your Shabbos table and you're partaking of the of the Kiddush and you're partaking of the Hala and the smells and, and, and the colors and the beauty of it this is what arouses the spiritual part in a person but it has to be done in the correct context we work for that but not that we, we work to, to live, but we don't live to work. That's the difference. So at a global level, we can raise and ennoble the whole of Olam Haseh through our actions by appreciating that Olam Haseh is purely preparatory for Olam Abba. Uh, we know that Shabbat, for example, is a, is a tasting of the times of Mashiach. It, it, you have oneg, you have pleasure, you rest. It's a tranquil day, it's peaceful, all phones are shut off, no TVs, no phone calls, no computers, no emails, no nothing. And a person immerses in an island of, of, of peace. So we enable the light of Olamaba to permeate even our physical existence. So once Hashem gave the Torah to the Jewish people in Mount Sinai, what happened was before, the spiritual was spiritual and the physical was physical and they had no synergy together. But after Hashem brought the Torah down to the world, He brought it down. Before it was up there with the angels, but once He brought it down, He pulled it down, then there's a synergy between the spiritual and the physical. And the whole purpose of a Jew is to bring this world up to heaven by bringing heaven down to this world. This is what we do with the physical world. And so we see that this analysis should help us to comprehend the basic difference between Yaakov and Esau. 
Jacob was the spiritual brother, was quite simply the Ikar. In his head, the most important thing was Olamaba, the spiritual world. That's all he lived for. He, he was a man that dwelt in tents. He was learning Torah all day. And for him, the most important aspect of life was to connect to Hashem. So his life and that of his descendants, which became the Jewish people, Klal Israel, he was the father of the 12 tribes, was the focus and the function of creation. And so to live a spiritual and inclined life in the physical world, utilizing Olam Haseh, the physical world, to achieve and perceive Olam Abba, Asaph's life, on the other hand, was completely directed to the physical world. The only thing he cared about was to have stuff, to have things, to enjoy the material world, to eat, to drink, to, to party, have many wives, and that's what he looked for. He looked for pleasure, 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 his personal pleasure. He was a narcissist, he only cared about himself, and as long as Yaakov remained preeminent and Asaph subordinate, the world can reach its aim. And Asaph will also achieve spiritual ennoblement as a tafel of Yaakov. So the whole purpose of uh, Yaakov getting the blessings of the father, why Rivka tricked the father, uh, Isaac, to give the blessing of the firstborn to the second son, was because she understood this. She understood that if Isaac would have given the blessing to Asaph, then there would be no continuity of this world. That would be it, because he would take over the material for no, for just to have pleasure from it, and he wouldn't have it as a as a as a jump board to reach the spiritual. He had no desire for a spiritual uh, existence. And one might think, like, why did Isaac want to give him the blessing? Why he was a, a, pro a prophet? He was he could see uh, how his son was. He was not fooled. He knew. But he could also see that Asaph came from a, his root, the soul, the, the, the root of his soul came from a much higher place than the root of the soul of Yaakov. So if Asaph would have wanted, he would have willed, he would have desired to connect, to, to use the material world in the pursuit of the Olam of the spiritual world, then he would have done an incredible job. But the problem was, was that he didn't want it. He didn't want it. And this is what we see, that people have such potentials in life. Everybody can, can do such incredible, great things in life, but the whole, the, everything lies in the desire of a person, what he wants in life, his priorities, what he desires. If a person desires, to experience the physical world to the ultimate level and just accumulate and accumulate and have and have and have, that's, he's gonna do everything to do that. Like Asaph, he stole, he, he, he murdered, he wanted the jacket, the, the robe of, of the King Nimrod, so he killed King Nimrod so he could have that, that, that jacket because for him it was so important to acquire and to have the physical world that he didn't care what happened in between. So we see that, that the Zohar explains something, that, that there are clouds of darkness into which light enters, but it is totally consumed, and this is the idea behind the seven bad cows in which the seven foul cows enter, leaving no trace in the, in the dream of, of Pharaoh. That 
the, 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 the skinny cows swallowed the fat cows. This was in his dream. So we see that the clouds of darkness are manifestations of arrogance. And this is the trait of Asaph. This was his trait, his midah, his character trait. He was completely arrogant. And when a person is so arrogant, he is haughty, has no one little degree of, 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 of humility, someone like him, the problem is that even if someone gives him a braha, like his father, a saintly person like Isaac, would give him a blessing to acquire the olamaba, what happens? He's so haughty that he absorbs all the light and he's not, not being able to shine. It's like those dark clouds that, that just swallow the light. They, don't, they cannot reflect it. And that was why Rivka, she was a very shrewd woman. She understood women are Bina, we understand. And that's why she said to her son, Yaakov, dress, dress, put on this, um, this uh, fur in your hand so your father thinks that you're a sap and you're going to take him this meal to him and you're going to ask him for the blessing. And that's how it was. He went in, the father smelled Ganeden when he came in because he already had Olamaba. And he came in and it smelled like the world to come. And the father touched him and he says, the hands are the hands of Asaph, but the voice is the voice of ya Yaakov. And he knew, but he gave him the braha. And so we see and we come here and we understand the question that Asaph asked his father, how to side straw and salt. And having carefully analyzed Asaph's character and what he really desired in life, we can see his question as not merely a twisted and false pious one. There was a weight in that question, but as an expression of his essence, Asaph saw himself not as a tafel to Yaakov. He didn't see himself as secondary to Yaakov. He didn't see himself as a helpmate to Yaakov, but he saw himself as the primordial, the most important thing in the world. But, but Yaakov, on the other hand, he didn't see himself as an Ikar. He didn't see himself as the most important thing of the world. He saw himself that Olamaba was the most important thing in the world, and he had to do everything in his life to connect the, 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 the Olamazeh to the Olamaba and draw down those blessings. So we see the question to Isaac reflected that he asked his father about straw and, and a material which is tafel to wheat. The straw is secondary, secondary to the wheat. And he wanted to know if it could be tied, that is, he regarded the straw himself to be the ikar on its own right. So he saw himself as a straw. And the question was, can you tie it? Is it important? So this follows the symbolism mentioned in the Midrash, in which it says, it compares the nation of the world to straw. Asa was trying to overturn the divine order in which Jacob is preeminent and, and, and stake his claim as the focus of creation. Likewise, salt is not intrinsically valuable. You see, salt is a cheap, cheap ingredient in your, in your pantry. Salt has, um, has a component that it enhances the taste of the food, but it doesn't, it really, you can eat without salt. It doesn't taste good, but it, you can eat without salt, as many people can't eat salt. But it just enhances the flavors of the food. But if you put too much salt in the food, it's unedible. You cannot eat it. It's impossible. You can't even swallow it. So we see that salt represents the, the, the ego, 
And you have to be very careful with the amount of ego you have within yourself. You need a certain amount of ego to have a certain sense of, of respect towards yourself, self-love, and, um, and, 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 and to understand that Hashem made you with a purpose, that you have good qualities in your life that Hashem gave you to be able to bring the world to its ultimate purpose, and that you have to use that. You need a little ego for that. If you're so flat, so flat, you're, you're not going to even feel that you can make a difference in this life. But you have to be careful because if you're blown up with this ego, then nothing else can go in. Like you become this haughty, proud person like Esav, and so the whole world is, him, is himself. So once again, Esav's intent was clear in his mind. The salt was the ikar. What was the purpose was the salt. That was the most important. So for him, the most important was the ego, was the pride. And we know by the, the Alter Rebbe in the Tanya, he explains, that we all have an Esav and a Yaakov within ourselves. We have a godly Neshama and we have an animal soul. So the godly Neshama is the Ikar, that's the primordial thing, is to, to live a life in which your true self shines out, not your ego. So the most important thing is to subdue the ego, to subdue the animal, instinctive, egocentric, selfish nature, so the, the altruistic, a, a part of you, that part of you that is holy and it's connected to Hashem all the time and only wants to do good in this world and, 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 and fulfill Torah and mitzvot, that part of you can shine. So Hashem gives you an animalistic instinct inside of you. He gives you an Asaph, but it, that part of you is not the most important part of That's a subservient part for the Ikar, which is the godly Neshama. And the godly Neshama when the godly neshama is in control, you have to take all the power of the animal, all that instinctive passions, nature that the animal gives you, and use them for the service of Hashem. So we see that there's a valuable lesson to learn from this episode. We must always consider our lives as an effort, as tafel. We have to see that our lives are secondary. Really, they're secondary to a higher purpose. We're here for a higher purpose, for a higher cause, and which is to bring the ultimate redemption, to bring the ultimate dream of Hashem when He created this world. Every time you do a mitzvah, you're building that third Beit HaMikdash, you're bringing more goodness to the world, you're elevating the world, you're elevating yourself and everybody around you. So only as a part of a greater body can we regard ourselves as having a worthy contribution to make to the world. So I want to wish you a blessed week. Remember to shine your light and live a little higher. Thank you.